I want to I want us to kind of put our work workshop hats on like we're all students and we're all learning here today um, and also our kingdom hats which should never be off but we want to be observers of the culture of what's going on in our world but also put them through the filter of the word and of what God says about what's happening in our world okay so if you didn't know God created us for community uh, he created us for connection with him and with others. So that's really important um, that we understand. The reason you see the world the way it is is because most of them, if not all, I would say all of them, are looking for connection with something greater than themselves. They have uh, no access to God because they just haven't had that encounter with God. But if, if you can relate one time in our lives we didn't have God, you know, he, we might have even grown up in church, but we needed to have our own encounter with God, and he needed to be a reality in our own lives, amen? So, uh, so he created us for that, and that's why, you know, uh, when he looked at Adam, he said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, it wasn't just about partnership with, like, husband and wife, but it was about community as well and how important it is to be around people, uh, especially those that believe in the same thing that you do. Uh, but also to be around those that don't because you are the influencer. You're the leader in that aspect. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? <laughs> All right. And that's why Jesus, when Jesus came, he said, my father's will is for those that behold the son or behold me, that they would believe in me and that I would live with them eternally. Because the whole thing about this is that God desires connection with us. So he created us with this thing inside of us where we desire community. We desire to commune with him as the eternal God. And we desire to commune with others. But I also want to look at this from a perspective of just observing from a kingdom viewpoint. And observing how the world is behaving. But also knowing that we have the answer to this. Amen. So this year marks the 500th year where Martin Luther uh, sort of uh, left the Roman Catholic Church. Um, his, he, he was standing on his principles because there were some things happening uh, in the Catholic Church back then and, and even now where it just didn't agree with what Martin Luther was reading and studying in the Word. Amen? So he, uh, he breaks off and... It's been 500 years since that, and ultimately we're here today uh, having church the way we're having church today because of what he did uh, 500 years ago. Now, I want you to think about this, though, just for a second. Think about where Martin Luther was when God spoke to him. Now, a lot of times we put God in a box, and we don't think that he can speak to anyone at any place at any time. We put people in boxes and we say, because they're a part of such and such, God can't speak to them. But Martin Luther, being in the Catholic Church, seeking truth, looking for God, God speaks to him. And God moves him. And yes, he did some things that were probably not right. But he was standing on principle and he was being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so this whole break happens in the church back then and uh you know it creates this environment of us and them and so here are the catholics and the protestants and it grows through europe as uh 
you know, the Protestants grow and, and multiply, and these two, like us and them, kind of things happen in our world. And now there are these teams and, and these disagreements and these agreements with the team that you belong to. So much so that in Germany, in, in Ireland, excuse me, there was wars between the Protestants and the Catholics. Actual war, not just war of words and debates, but actual war between the Protestants and the Catholics. And even till today, they hate each other. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't find that very healthy when you're being led by God. These two groups spread, and years later, years later, we come to this place. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival. Anybody ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival? I want to read this to you. I want you to pay attention. There's a lot of things in here that are important for us. The Azusa Street Revival was a historic revival meeting that took place in Los Angeles, California, and is the origin of the Pentecostal movement. It was led by William J. Seymour, an African-American preacher. It began with a meeting on April 9th, look, look at the years, 1906, and continued until roughly 1915. The, the revival was characterized, this is going to sound familiar, by spiritual experiences accompanied with testimonies of physical healing, worship services, and speaking in tongues. That sounds like a grace and love church service. The participants were criticized by the secular media and Christian theologians, Christian scholars, for behaviors considered to be outrageous and unorthodox. See, back then, people didn't even really raise their hands. Okay? You got your hymn book. And you sung with an organ, and that was it. So these people changed a lot of what church looks like today. Especially at that time. Today, the revival is considered by historians to be the primary catalyst or, or game changer for the spread of Pentecostalism in the 20th century. So in 1905, listen to this, this is really important. William J. Seymour the one-eyed 34-year-old son, he, he, had, he was one-eyed, 34-year-old <laughs> son of freed slaves. Whoa. William J. Seymour's parents were slaves that had just been freed not too long ago. And this is the man leading the new revival this is important for us because God will use anyone, anyone he wants. If the person is willing, God will use them. No one saw this coming in the church community back then. No one saw the next revival coming from an African-American whose parents had just been freed from slavery not too long ago. Man, God is good, and he'll use anyone he wants. He was a student of a well-known Pentecostal preacher by the name of Charles 
Parham. They've made movies about this guy. You should look him up. An interim pastor for a small holiness church. By 1913, the revival of Azusa Street had lost momentum. And most of the media attention and crowds had left by 1915. What happened? There was a lot of people there, but a lot of people came to see the show. And not a lot of people came to engage in what was happening there. Just came to watch. And in the kingdom, we can't just be, ex, you know, just to go see observers. We got to get involved. God is calling every single one of you for something in his kingdom. People left by 1915. There was a movement there, but there was no direction. There was just a movement there, but what we got to think, what's going to happen in the next five, ten years? It had no direction. It became about the show or about the, what was happening there, the people, and great things were happening because God is good, and he'll continue uh, uh, to, to make miracles and for things to happen, but there was no longevity, not much leadership development. Seymour remained there with his wife, Jenny, for the rest of their lives as pastors of a small African-American congregation. Though he often made short trips to help establish other smaller revivals later in life, after Seymour died of a heart attack on September 28, 1922, Jenny led the church until 1931 when the congregation lost the building. That's where the revival ended. It actually had ended prior to that, but that's where the whole thing ended. So we, it, it's an amazing thing that happened here, though. And I, I don't want to come off as, like if I'm dishonoring what God did here because I honor these men and women of God. And we are here experiencing what God uh, can give us and, and knowing certain things because of what they established. But I want to learn from that as well. Amen? What happens after these more groups break off? Groups that agree. Groups that don't agree. Groups that are going to start their own thing to try to mimic what has happened in their past experience. Many people looked for other churches that either had the same thing or close or didn't. Seems like as humans... We want to be a part of something. It just seems like, like that's how we're made. Would you agree? Like we want to be a part of a greater cause. And that's why these things happen sometimes. And I want to kind of prove that to you a little bit. Uh, don't play it yet, but I want to show you just a, just a quick picture show, if you will. All these groups are community because humanity is looking to connect to something. Amen? We all have this. We're all tribal. We're very tribal. No, I'm with this group. No, no, I'm with that group. And I belong to this. And, and I belong to that. We're very tribal. And it starts from the beginning. God made us this way. Because we, we're his people, he says. And we belong to him and he's our leader. Amen? Even introverts have group of introverts. We want to agree we want, we want to be around people we agree with. 
We want to pursue something in a group. We need to have a vision. We need to have a mission. We need to have a greater cause. We need to speak the same language. And I'm not talking about English or Spanish. I'm talking about something like Christianese. Hallelujah, brother. Not a lot of people understand hallelujah. Amen? Or amen, for that matter. We want our team to be the best. We want to win. And these are things that God has put in us. We salivate at that idea of just winning and celebration and our team being the best. Our agenda has to win. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. That everyone in humanity is seeking community. And we have, we have the best answer for them. Amen? So go to Psalm 133. If you can. If not, it'll be on the... On the, on the TVs. Um, Psalm 133, very famous uh, verse in the Bible. So I want you to uh, go, go to just verse 1. And we'll just read verse 1 for now. And it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. One more time. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Isn't that amazing? So here are five. I want to just give you five things that I think are important as we observe community and how it can relate to us. One of the first things that, that we saw at least... At, in that, in that slideshow, is that people want to be part of a greater cause. That's like the number one thing. Every group, every team comes together because they have a greater cause. You know, they, they'll say things like, we won today, and they're not even on the team. It's like, you know, when the Cowboys win, we won today. That's my team. We won today. I didn't play. But we want to be a part of something greater, an ideology, a belief, a movement, a vision, something that's intangible, maybe a common enemy or even a common goal. We want to be a part of, they have fantasy leagues for things like this now. It's not just for football and basketball. They have fantasy leagues for everything now. You can become a part of the greater picture here. You can, there's fantasy leagues for the bachelor and the bachelorette. Who's going to win? <laughs> who's going to get the final rose? And the reason I know that is because Cynthia watches. <laughs> and people want to be a part of something greater. They feel like they're part of something. That's my team. We won. These are the, the, my, the best colors. Even though the colors might be ugly, let's keep it real. The Lakers colors, uh, but that's, that's my team. <laughs> We feel like we're a part of something bigger that we cannot really touch. We cannot, we're not on the court dribbling, right? Or the field dribbling. No, you don't, whatever. We're not there, but we want to be a part of something bigger. It's in us. It's in us. God made us this way. <laughs> it seems as though we were born for greatness. We were born to do something great. That's why Jesus told his disciples, look, you will do greater things. Than me. 
For example, life on other planets. There's groups trying to figure out if there's life on other planets. We as a country have spent billions, billions of dollars trying to find life on other planets. And we're part of something. And we're all together and all the scientists and all the groups. And they're like, yeah, one day, what are they going to do when they actually find something if they do it? I don't know if I believe in that. (laughs) I don't think they've thought it through all the way. This is an innate. This is in us already. It's a God-given quality that we want to be part of something with a greater cause. That's why millennials will say today, if it doesn't have a cause, I don't really want to be a part of it. You know, this whole thing started uh, a while back. I remember when Tom's shoes came out. Do you guys know Tom's, the shoes? And it was like, you, you buy one and we give one to someone that's in need. Whoa, that blew up fast. They're millionaires, gazillionaires, because everyone's like, I buy shoes. They're not only comfortable from what I hear, and, and then I can, someone else gets shoes. When I buy shoes, I'm helping the world. And you feel like you're helping everyone because you're part of a cause. And millennials have, have ate this up, and it's a good thing because it's in us. And millennials want to make a difference. And I'm like, let's make a difference. Yeah, but let's also be leaders and let's make history. Let's change the the trajectory of where the world is going. Amen? I thought I was going to get more amends on that one, but okay. (laughs) Let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 24. Remember, this is greater cause. We want to be part of a greater cause. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24. Are you there? All right. This is what it says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. One, one more time. Let us think of ways to motivate one another of, to acts of love and good works. I love this verse because in the kingdom, it's let us. Not let them. It gives us the responsibility, all of us, to take part in doing great things for God. And motivating each other to do things for God. It's let us, not let them in the kingdom. Amen? Sometimes we feel frustrated. Maybe things aren't working out the way we think they should work out. Or or we feel like leadership should do this and should do that. And and maybe God has called you and he's put a passion in your heart for you to do something. And of course, with respect to leadership, do it. Do what God has called you to do. Amen. If he's put something in your heart, do it. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. For love, to acts of love and good works. All of us, the the work is for all of us to think of ways to motivate all of us to acts of love and good works. All of us here should be engaged thinking, what are some ways that I can motivate others? You're waiting for motivation. And God is saying, You have all the motivation you need. Now start motivating others. 
Think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. Let us, I love how Paul puts it, or the writer of Hebrews, there's debate on that. The writer of Hebrews puts it, let us, he includes himself. Let us think of ways. Let's get together and think of ways to motivate. It's not up to one or two or three or four people. It's up to all of us in this greater cause. Amen? There is no greater cause than the cause of Jesus Christ. There is no greater cause than the cause of Jesus Christ, than the cause of the gospel. There is no greater cause than the grace that came onto this earth and eradicated all sin. And for those that believe in Jesus Christ shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is no greater cause than the cross. There is no greater cause than that. This is the desire, the goal of the Father is to bring people to him, to reconcile people to him through that cross and that death and that burial and that resurrection to bring people to him. That's your cause. That's your greater cause. And that's actually what everyone is looking for. That's why they, we saw the video. That's why people are a part of so many things. Because they're looking to be part of something great. And that's something great is and always will be God. Amen? And he is accessible. He has not closed his doors or his arms. He is there, arms wide open. And look, there's people around us now looking for that greater cause. There's people suffering right now because of natural disasters, because of things that are happening politically, you guys are aware, right, what's happening in the news and things, the tweets and everything? Yes? I don't live under a rock either. But there's things that are happening where people want to find that greater cause. It's in them. God told Adam and Eve, subdue the earth, multiply, and be fruitful. It was in them, spoken to them from the beginning. Go and subdue the earth. Do great things. Multiply and be fruitful. Are you with me? Amen. You guys are quiet. Amen. All right. The second thing is connection. Connection. People are looking for connection. Listen to this. A greater cause is no fun alone. A greater cause is no fun alone. No way. We desire, we desire to be connected with people, people to understand us, people that hear us, that agree with us. Oh, man, we love that agreement stuff. We love it. When people disagree, doesn't it like, uh, I don't know if I want to be around that person. They're always disagreeing with me. <laughs> We want to we feel connected to other people that agree with us. And as Christians, sometimes when someone disagrees with us, if someone's living a life that's not, that's not good for their soul, that's not holy before God, and someone dis disagrees with them, th those two people might not end up being friends anymore. They shouldn't be that way, though. 
It should be that we could be around people that we disagree with so that we can grow. But everyone's looking to be agreed with. We need vertical relationships as well as horizontal relationships. We need leaders we can relate to and people we can relate with. Let me say that again. We need leaders we can relate to and people we can relate with. It's not like back in the day anymore where the pastor is some illusion on Sundays that no one can touch. Never shares vulnerabilities. It's not like that anymore. People want to follow leaders they can relate to, know their story, know who they are, where they came from, their testimony, that they're human. Because you know when a man stands in front of you to preach the gospel, you know deep in your heart that that's just a man. But that man sometimes may act or sound like they got it all together. But let me tell you something today. I don't have it all together. I need Jesus too. Every single day I need Jesus. I need prayer, I need encouragement, I need connection, and I need to be a part of that community as well. I'm in need just like you are. My position is different. There's a quarterback and there's a running back. There's a point guard and a center or a shooting guard. It's just different positions, but it doesn't mean that one is greater than the other. We need leaders we can relate to and people we can relate with. Amen? <laughs> Leaders that we know who are vulnerable, not boastful and conceited because they're leaders. Tell me right away, Kevin's being so conceited, bro. Just kidding, Kevin. Because he's all tall and everything. We need leaders to be normal. Amen? Just normal people. Car breaks down the same way. Right? I'm late to work sometimes the same way you are. Don't expect. I'm not perfect, y'all. Amen? I hope you know that. Someone laughed. I think they know that. (laughs) Just kidding, sister. Connection builds bonds. And we desire those bonds. Now, you know, I, I have a challenge for Grace and Love Church. I think it's important for us to make people feel at home, not just on Sunday service for two hours, but all the time. Because people are looking for this connection. And sometimes we're so busy with service and we're serving and things are happening and blah, blah, blah. And we got to go somewhere after this. But I want you to kind of take the time to build these connections. Because of these connections, some people might even compromise themselves. They compromise their values just to feel connected to something. People in relationships, uh, in relationships, unhealthy relationships, compromising their values and their ethics and their own respect just to feel connected to something. That's unhealthy. Look for the right connections, godly connections. That, that connection would 
grow you and make you better. That they would disagree with you on some things. Don't get people around you that agree with you on everything. And they're like, yes, men. I don't have that around me. Sometimes it's not fun. But I don't have leadership around me that's like, yes, Mario, master, the, whatever you say, sir. Right? I don't have that. And that's good because it challenges me to be better. And I don't agree with them either. To be honest with you, I'm just going to say it out loud right now. I'm just kidding. But some people compromise their own respect and their own honor and their own convictions just for that connection. Okay? And by the way, all of our values and our morals and our ethics come from God. Not from what we think is cool at the time. They come from God. Amen? Joshua and David had this connection in the Bible. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan and David had this connection in the Bible. They were like instantly soul brothers. And to be honest with you, they didn't really have the best relationship. They were on opposite ends. They were enemies. But through that, they built a bond. Amen? And sometimes leaders, we're looking for that connection with leadership And it's almost like we want leaders to become God for us. And we can't allow that in our lives. Leaders are not God. They're used by God. They partner with God. They can bless you. They can pray for you. But ultimately, you need God. Amen? All right, let's go to Hebrews 10, 25. And I'm coming to a close just a few moments here. I mean, just, yeah, in a little bit. Hebrews 10, 25, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. I'm sure you've heard this before, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is what this verse says. If we neglect healthy connection with other believers, it's difficult to remain encouraged. See, I love the writer once again in Hebrews. He says, let us not neglect meeting together. Hello? Meeting together. This is so important. I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about when brothers and sisters come together. Just in the general sense, meeting together. But we in our life, in our culture today, we meet on Sundays. At 2 p.m. for now. But we meet on Sundays, and this is where we meet together. So if you want encouragement, don't neglect our meeting together. Why do sports teams get together? Or or clubs, or car clubs, you've seen those, or or, or motorcycle clubs. There's these guys at Jack in a Box over there, you know what I'm talking about? And, yeah, and they just get together and they're 30. What are they doing? They're not even buying jack-in-the-box. They're just there. And they're, they're motorcycles and they're vests. And they think they're sons of anarchy. What are they doing? They're meeting together. To what? To agree and to, you know, be part of the greater cause of whatever the heck they're doing. And I see the guys out here in the lowriders every Sunday. I'm like, go to church. It's down the street. But that's their church. 
That's their meeting together. Having something in common, common unity, agreement, all of them, greater cause, oh, our cards, our mortar, whatever it is. That's why us as Christians, our greater cause is Jesus. And when we come together, we are encouraged. We are encouraged. Our challenge here at GNL, our challenge is how many of us are actually encouraging to each other? We need to encourage. We can't just say the how you're doing and, and go and yeah, I'm blessed and bye. How many of us are comfortable? Challenge each other to be more vulnerable. So coming together is essential for connection. Essential. It's so important for connection. Even Jesus said this. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. Why? It's not, it's, isn't Jesus with us all the time? But what's so important to Jesus, to Jesus, that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. He said, I'll be there because I'm part of the community too. And I'm a leader you can relate to because I walked like as a human. And I'll be there in your meeting where two or three are gathered. If there's community, Jesus is there. <laughs> Jesus is like, I'll be at that meeting. Prayer meeting at 9 a.m. on Saturday, I'm there. Romans 1.12. This is my version. says, when we get together... I want to encourage you in your faith. But, someone say but. I also want to be encouraged by yours. I can't wait to be at church on Sunday because I want to encourage you. I want to encourage your faith. But, I can't wait to be encouraged by yours. Woo! My brother said something amazing at our men's group. He said, it's, it's cool when we see that God is doing something over there and over there and in the world. And there's a conference over there and we can go online and see it. But there's nothing like coming to a place where you know people are going through stuff. And you can touch them and hear them and hug them. And you see them worshiping. And you see them lifting their hands. They might not have a job right now, but they're lifting their hands. And they're believing God. They're having struggles in their family, but they're lifting their hands. They're having struggle in their own personal life, but they're lifting their hands. And they're sitting right next to you. And they're around you. You should be encouraged by that. You should be encouraged that everyone in this room is going through something. But they're here to worship God, the greater cause. And that's why Paul says, man, I'm, I'm so eager. I'm, I can't wait to encourage you in your faith. But hey, don't forget about me. I want to be encouraged too by your faith. And I, I, I me, Mario, I am encouraged by your faith. Have you... Have you talked to Patty for five minutes about jobs and money? She has amazing faith when it comes to God providing for her. 
I've heard her talk, and I'm like, man, I need work in that area. She's like, no, God will provide. Tell God exactly what you want, and he'll do it. And she's lived it, not just talked about it. There's someone you can go to today. It's encouraging to see someone going through something and them worshiping God, knowing that their family member is sick or, or they've lost someone or, or, or they, something's going on, but they're lifting their hands and they're worshiping God. Something about that. Texting, what a transition, is a lower form of connection. 80% of our communication is nonverbal, meaning body language, expression on our face. It's important to have that face-to-face connection. It's cool that you can stream online and go online and watch some YouTube and some worship, and I'm sure God does things through that. But there's something about coming together and being encouraged by someone's faith. Sometimes I feel like like maybe we don't like we don't get that all the way. Like we hear it, but we don't like understand it. But I, I want you to be challenged today by that. That everyone here is to be encouragers. Let us think of ways. Let us not neglect, but be encouraged by your faith. Ephesians 4, verse 2 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This is our call. I've only talked about two things today, the greater cause and connection. And I've said a lot. The podcast will come out this week. Maybe I think it's Tuesday that it comes out. I want you to hear it again. And next week we'll talk about the next three because I just want to finish today. So when you see people like, you know, celebrating in a stadium and maybe you're one of those that that kind of stuff is just you don't get it. uh, Or you look down at it or something or you see all these (laughs) we're talking about like the motorcycle clubs and all that stuff. If you're a kingdom observer... You're going to see that, yeah, that's a lower form of community. But you're also going to see that that's something God put in all of us, that we desire it. And that you wouldn't look down on it, but that you would engage it or those people. Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.